Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. There are many challenges running a political campaign in the midst of a pandemic, especially with a lockdown and stay-at-home order. Politicians and strategists must use some real ingenuity to get their message out. The old-fashioned door-knocking, kitchen-table conversations, and get-to-know-you parties are impossible. Besides these hurdles, both candidates have a short timeline. The nomination meeting is on June 5th. Here is my second interview with the other candidate running for the provincial liberal nomination, Jeff Kosnick. I'm so pleased to have with me today Jeff Kosnick, the provincial liberal candidate for Northumberland, Peterborough South. He's running for the nomination. Welcome to Consider This. Well, thank you very much, Robert. I'm uh, very, very pleased to, to be with you today. Thank you. What made you decide to seek the nomination for the liberals in Northumberland, Peterborough South? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, as, as you are probably aware, I, I had a, a very long, long life in, in education. Um, 30, 36 years, I worked for the Gortha Pine Ridge District School Board. I, I started off as a teacher. Um, I ended my career uh, as, a, as a principal. I was principal at CCI. And I loved every moment of, of being in education. Um, for most of my life, I got up and I went to school. Um, and there was never a day when I woke up and I didn't feel like, like going to work. Um, I had thought about, you know, the possibility of, of running in for politics, uh, you know, throughout my, my life. But there was really no, no way I could, I could enter that until I finished with education. And uh, once that chapter closed um, and I retired, then I could, could think about some other things. And um, back in January, I, I got some, a number of phone calls from some very, very close friends who had suggested that maybe I should consider. And, and after many, many family meetings and discussions with friends, it, it seemed to be the next step. Uh, generally speaking, um, I've tried to give back to my community um, for for a long, long time, and uh, in in many in many different areas, um, from coaching to to doing tons and tons of fundraising for hundreds of different causes. And I uh, I thought there's probably no better way to to give back to my community than than running for MPP and. Uh, and, and that, that's what, what's sort of brought me to this, this moment now. How long have you been a member of the Liberal Party? Oh, I would say I've, I've been a Liberal supporter my entire life. Um, 
my uh my my wife has always been a liberal supporter and 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 everyone in her family and her her mother was had worked for the liberal party along with her her father and uh, um so I, I would say basically, you know, pretty much since I was in university, I, I, I have been a, a, a liberal supporter. Have you held any significant positions within the party and what have you contributed to the party over the years? Well, I really haven't held any positions within the party per se. Um, I have helped with uh, a few campaigns um and and likewise has my wife has helped with some campaigns and and certainly we uh we've assisted uh with my mother uh, and father-in-law who who were in durham region at the time with some of the campaigns that they were supporting at the time but um no i haven't i haven't taken on any uh um positions within the party per se what qualifications do you have for this job well, that, that is another good question. Um, I, I think I have, I have lots of experience. I have certainly leadership experience in, in, in many different aspects. Um, I think I'm a, a very good collaborator. Um, I think I, I can uh, work with not just uh, um, people within our community, but I think that I would be very good at working with municipal governments. Um, you know, there are a lot of similarities between um, being a principal um, at, a, uh, at a secondary school and I think running for politics. And I was a, a principal for, for 21 years of, of my 36 year career in education. And I think that that has really given me a, a lot of experience. And certainly with many of the fundraising projects that I've been a part of, um, I've had an opportunity to collaborate with, with many people. And I think that if, if one is going to get anything done, um, they, they need to be uh, a leader and they need to have experience and they need to be uh, able to collaborate with, with various groups. And I, and I think, I think that I, I, I certainly have. For listeners who may not know what a high school principal does, can you draw the lines a little clearer between what you do as a high school principal and how that contributes to your political aspiration? Well, I think uh, being a high school principal, it, it, it's, it's like managing a, a, a large ship. And I had, uh, I had the privilege of, of working at all of the, the high schools uh, within my career along the lake shore from Port Hope all the way through to um, ENSS, uh, Brighton, of course. Um, and, and many times I, I, I was working at the largest schools within our board. Um, we do lots and lots of things. Um, you manage the school, uh, you look after kids, um, you look after students, um, you work with parents, um, you work with staff and somehow there's this delicate balance of bringing all of those groups together. And I always felt that if you had happy kids, then you probably had happy teachers, then you had happy parents, and then you could accomplish wonderful things. And I think, uh, so some of the similarities are, are going to be managing, um, you know, the Northumberland Peterborough South communities and, and, 
I would also say that, you know, every school that I worked at was slightly different. And I think that all of our areas in, in Northumberland, Peterborough South are, are certainly unique. Um, the needs of, of Coburg probably differ greatly from those of Brighton. And I think it is important that uh, an MPP represents those smaller areas. So the areas like Norwood, the areas like maybe Newtonville, for instance, obviously Newcastle is growing leaps and bounds. But I think it is important that um, our leader represents the needs of, of all of our constituents. And that really is very similar to, to being a principal. You need to represent the needs of all students, all parents, and all staff. In a campaign video you posted on social media, you talk about learning many lessons. What are some of those lessons and can you be specific as to how they relate to your campaign? Hmm. Well, I think I was referring <clears throat> to the many lessons that we've learned during COVID. Um, obviously, I've learned many, many lessons in life. Uh, um, you know, from all of my, my rich experiences. But I think what you probably are referring to is the lessons we've learned through, through COVID. And I think the best example I can give you is if we were to take a look at long-term care, for instance. I think that we've learned many, many lessons about long-term care and care for our seniors. And um, I don't think that there's a politician that, that would have been ready uh, to meet what COVID dropped on all of us. But having said that, I think that the, the lessons we should have learned from our long-term care facilities um, are, are out there, they're glaring. Um, you know, obviously support for the essential workers uh, in the long-term care facilities. I think that there are um, the respect we, we need to have for our PSWs. And uh, really apart from our seniors getting vaccinated, I, I see no concrete change. Um, and I think those are the kinds of things when something like this has happened to our society, when it's happened to our community, when it's happened to a specific group, I think it's important that we take stock of that and then we, we act upon it. And I think that's one area um, that's, that's near to my heart is that we can do much, much better in providing for our long-term care facilities and especially our seniors. I, I can hear the voices of conservatives in the back of my head saying, but the liberals created this system for years and years. They ran the long-term care system and this was a system that was inherited by them. And they've been you know, moving forward on building, even in our own community, we see new facilities, both at the Golden Plow and, and in downtown Coburg. There's all kinds of things going on in terms of hiring and training more personal service workers. How, how can you be critical of, of their efforts because of the system that your party created in the past? I can hear them saying that. What would you say to them? Well, I think, I think we, we, we certainly have a, um, we know that our demographics are, are, are such that we have more and more um, elderly people, uh, particularly moving into the Northumberland, Peterborough South area. Um, so, so in terms of, of you know, adding and, and onto facilities like the Golden Plow, um, that just naturally has to happen. Um, 
So I think it's wonderful that, that we're adding on to that facility, but I still come back to the fundamental change. And, and I would argue that, you know, the privatization to a lot of the, the facilities, um, that, that, that could use some, some, some change as well. Um, but whether or not it was the conservatives that started this or it was the liberals that, 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 that put some things into play, I think there's still lessons that, that, that we've learned and we have to be able to move forward on those things. You also talked about past mistakes. What are some of those past mistakes? And I think, I think to put some context around that, um, what, I, what I've often referred to is when I talk about the youth of today, um, and I've had the, the privilege of working with incredible young, young folks over, over my lifetime. Um, they, uh, young people today are incredibly smart. They're gifted, um, they have vision and they want change. And I think if you reflect back on some of our mistakes, um, I think we would all agree that, you know, yes, we've all tried to do the right things, but, but maybe, maybe, you know, we, we haven't always done, done the right things. Um, and I think the young people today are very, very concerned about issues like climate change, which we should be. And, and quite frankly, I believe the, the young people of today have a better perspective of it than for instance, uh, people my age, generally speaking. And I think that, that they have some fresh ideas um, that we should be taking a look at um, and we should be having rich conversations about. And I think it's, it's little things like that that I talk about. So yeah, we're not a perfect society and maybe we didn't intentionally um, you know, try to, to make mistakes, but I think over the years, yeah, we probably have. And I think that there will be a time when the next generation is looking at fixing some of those things that maybe we didn't act upon the way we should have. In some of your other campaign videos, you talk about moving forward and you and a plan that puts our community first. When has our community not been put first and by whom was it not put first by? <laughs> well, that, that, that's a good question. And, and I, I guess where, where I'm coming from on that is, I have spent the last, you know, roughly 37 years living in Northumberland uh, County. I, you know, most of my life, I, I spent some time in Port Hope living when I first moved to this county uh, and this area. And then, but by and large, we've lived in, in Colburn. Um, this is home for me. This is a, this, I've raised my three children in Colburn. I've worked in Colburn. My children have uh, participated in sports, uh, in, in uh, different activities. Um, this is home. And I think I, ju I just value this place. There's not another place I can think of that I would want to live, that I would want to raise my children in. This will always be home. So I think I put this place first above everyone, everything else. And, and I, would, I would work for, for, for this area to make sure that, 
Um, it gets my undivided attention. I am passionate about this area. So I guess what I'm saying is um, I'm committed. And, and uh, I, I, I suppose maybe other politicians have, have come in with, you know, a similar attitude. Um, but maybe they haven't got that long history in, in this area that I, that I have. And I think if you looked at my track record, it didn't matter what school I was at, I was committed to that school and I wanted it to be the best that it could possibly be. And I worked very, very hard within that. And I guess that's what I, I'm trying to say uh, uh, there is that that would translate to, to my community as well. Let's talk something, let's talk about something that is close to your heart and that is education and educators. And in your campaign, you talk about having safe workplaces for educators and safe learning environments. What would you have done differently as compared to what has occurred over the last year or so? Well, I think I would have really listened to the science for one thing. Um, I think that is incredibly important. I think that we certainly could have done a, a better job in, in ensuring that our staff and students were, were safe. I think that that had to be uh, an, uh, a real priority. Um, I think that it is really, really important that teachers and educators get the credit for the online and virtual learning and it, not the politicians. It wasn't, it's not the politicians that are going online every single day with, their, with students, it's teachers. And I think that, that we have to stand up at this point in time and we have to recognize that our teachers are doing an excellent job. And I think we also have to recognize how difficult this time is for our students. The number of things that they have missed out on, um, graduations, all the co-curricular activities. And I think that, that we, we need to recognize those things and, and recognize the challenges that, that, that parents uh, are having right now. And the other thing that I would say, Rob, Robert, is, is it seems that whenever a government comes into power and particularly the conservatives, there's always a talk on cuts to education. And wouldn't it be nice if this time we were able to make some substantial change that truly, truly benefited our, our students and, and, and do something concrete um, province-wide that, that makes our education system truly stand out? Because I do believe in public education. Can you give me an example of something that you think should be done in that regard then? Well, I can. Um, and again, I think, I think certainly it needs conversations uh, with experts in the, in the field of education. But if we've learned anything at all, um, probably virtual learning will be with us for some time in some capacity. I'm not so sure that we should um, have students uh, online 24 seven and not attending school. Uh, I, I certainly believe that going to school and, and, and creating friendships and connecting with um, other students is critical. 
That is so, so important, and in particularly for their mental health. But I do think that some form of blended learning online as well as in school um, should be happening. And, and because we know of the importance of virtual learning now, wouldn't it be nice as a, as a province that every student had a laptop, um, an issued laptop, where we could standardize some of that virtual learning and, and we could truly make it a priority. I can tell you, Robert, that my last year in, in education, um, just at CCI, um, we, we had 250 kids out of the 1100 uh, uh, that attended that school that had no access to computers. Um, so I think that's something that we can take a look at and it would be just wonderful to be the, the, the first province in our country um, that did something like that. And from a cost perspective, um, if you looked at, at school budgets on what they allocate for computers and technology, you know, I don't think that it would it would it would have a human a humongous cost on 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 uh, on governments to do something like that. But but certainly something like that needs to be discussed with directors from across the um, the, the province and uh, IT specialists and even parents. But I think that dialogue needs to happen. In your campaign, you advocate for an inclusive community. How would you go about this? How would you address things like racism and discrimination against people for sexual orientation, Indigenous people? I think that comes down to education. And I, I, I think that we can do a better job of, of creating inclusive um, uh, societies. Um, and I think it starts with education. And I think that, that we can do much, much better, not just in our schools, but even uh, you know, educating uh, parents and, 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 and local businesses and, and, and things of that nature. But that, that's really where it comes, comes down to is it, it's just education. And, and, and it is so important. It is, it is so important. And, and I would say that as a, as a country, Canada is, is probably ahead of most countries in, in the world. But isn't that what makes us so unique is, is that we are leading, leading the charge on social justice issues and, and social change. And I think that we can continue to do those things. You've already mentioned a focus on youth in your campaign. But one of the things that you mentioned specifically in one of your videos is the affordable housing for young people. So how do you see that working? Well, I'm not an expert in that, that, that field, Robert. Uh, I, wish, I wish I was, um, but I can tell you that I have three children of my own. And when I take a look at uh, what, what the cost of buying a house right now, um, it's frightening. It, it, it's scary. And I, I, I wonder, along with my own children, how, how are they ever going to enter the housing market? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I look at young people who, are, who have just graduated, uh, who uh, maybe are, are starting their life out uh, working in the trades, or maybe they have a you know, a job where they just finished high school. And 
I don't understand how how someone can possibly, you know, pay rent, um, you know, drive a car, pay insurance, look at all of those things, and then somehow manage to save maybe $100,000 to put a down payment on a, on a starter home. So I think that we really need to start exploring that. And, and again, I, I don't think I'm alone. I think any parent who has children is, is wondering about that. So I think once we begin those discussions, we'll, we, we can find ways. We have to, we have to. You also mentioned in your campaign, the minimum wage. And we've watched as grocery stores have made record profits and some have paid workers a temporary bonus for working during the pandemic. And then it was taken away and then a few reinstated it. The mere mention of raising minimum wage gets small business owners crazy. What are you proposing to say to these business people that is going to change their minds that they would support an increase in the minimum wage? Well, and I, and I, I certainly understand the difficulty um, if you're running a small business in increasing, increasing the minimum wage. Um, but I think it's something that we just absolutely have to do. Um, I talk a lot about respect uh, for our frontline and essential workers. And, and, and I think we have to look at defining what essential work is. But for me, I look at those working, for instance, you mentioned the grocery store. Um, they have kept our, our, our province and our, and our communities running. And they are in there day after day, and they are working. And, and thankfully, um, we have that. But most that are working in that field are making minimum wage, uh, wages. And I think that, again, it comes back to if, if you're working for minimum wage and often you have no benefits, um, often you are working um, four hour shifts instead of eight hour shifts. So you're going in at, at different times. Many of our essential workers have two and three jobs. And to me, that just, that's not right. And so while it would be a struggle for um, some of our small businesses, um, I think we all have to recognize that how, how do you survive with a minimum wage in today's society? And again, I think that's where we need to take, take a good hard look and have those conversations and, and collaborate with one another and find ways um, that, that allow people to, to make a decent, a decent living. And I think it can be done. Um, and, and it will be tough. It will, it will be a tough thing, but certainly everyone that I speak with agrees that, uh, you know, you can't make, you can't survive these days making, you know, $14 an hour or less. Can you point to something in your life that shows us your political medal? Oh, you know, I think I was, I was very, very fortunate. Um, uh, you know, my, my mother and father, um, you know, uh, both of them worked in General Motors. And, and, you know, I grew up in the 60s. Um, 
they were very, very fortunate to have uh, that, that job and, and, and working in GM. Um, but I would say they didn't have a lot of, a lot of money. Um, and, uh, but they always put, uh, myself, my brother and my sister, uh, first and my mom and dad, um, valued an education. Um, and, and they insisted that, that all of us, get an education. And they, they just always wanted to put us first. And while they didn't have a lot of money, they, they certainly helped us out any way they, they possibly could. And I think I really, really value that. And I think the lessons that I've learned from that is it is really, really important um, that we do things for those who, who may be a little less fortunate than us. And throughout my life, I've, I've tried to do that. I've, I've tried to give back to my community, um, my country, and in some cases, the world. And, and I've learned so much. Um, you know, I've, I've, been, I've had the privilege of, of doing work over in Africa and both Tanzania and, and Malawi. And um, while our contributions in those countries is, is very, very small in comparison to uh, foreign aid and, and things of that nature. I really think that I've probably gained more than what we've actually given. I think as a human being, it, it's taught me so much. And it's given me this appreciation for um, how much we have as Canadians. We are, we are blessed to be in this country. Uh, we are blessed to have the things that we have. And sometimes we take those things for granted. And at no point would I say that we should have less, but what we should recognize is that, that there are so many others in this world right now that have so little, and it would be nice to just be able to, to bring them up and they'll never be equal to what we have, at least not in my lifetime. But I think that is the important part. So I think, some of those values have, have shaped, um, you know, uh, where I stand politically. Who's your political hero? <laughs> well, I think, I think for me, that is a very easy question. Um, and, and my political hero would be Nelson Mandela and, uh, uh no one, uh, suffered as much as he did, and and yet he was able to come back, uh, become the leader of of uh, you know of a country, uh, bring that country together. Somehow, somehow, that man was able to forget, and I use that word loosely. Um, all of the things that happened to him and use that, that ex those experiences, which were so terrible, to help him create uh, peace. And, and I just find that that, that is remarkable um, for any human being to do what, what he did is, is simply remarkable. So um, there's no question uh, he, would, he would be my political hero. Who are the most influential people who touch your life on a regular basis? 
Well, it would be my, my parents for sure. My, my father passed away um, a, a few years back. Uh, <clears throat> um, my mother is, is 86. And, uh, and you know, we, we, we have some disagreements politically from time to time. Uh, um, but, uh, but that's okay. And, and it really is okay. Um, you know, I have, I have lots of people who have, have shaped my life. Um, you know, uh, back in high school, I, I had a, a teacher and a coach who, who spent a tremendous amount of time with me. And uh, if it wasn't for that man, I probably never would have gone off to university. Um, you know, uh, he had a huge impact. And I think sometimes we underestimate the power of, of our teachers and we underestimate the power of our coaches. Um, and, uh, and my children, my children have a huge impact on, on, on my life today. And, uh, you know, there's no, there's no gift more precious than, than, than your own children. And, uh, my, my wife and I are, are, are privileged that we, we have three wonderful children and, uh, you know, we think the world of them. So. Um, those are a few people, and and probably if I, I gave it some more thought, I could come up with with you know dozens and dozens of, of of more people who have had an impact on my life. Give me one thing you disagree with the way that our current MPP David Bicini has handled. Well, you know, to be to be honest, Robert, I I don't want to use this time at this particular like right now to criticize David. Um, to be perfectly honest, I've, I've met Mr. Puccini a, a number of times. Uh, he seems like a fine individual. I just believe that the real difference between Mr. Puccini and myself is, is we, we differ on, on a number of, of issues, um, uh, such as education, such as healthcare, um, uh, such as long-term care, um, those are those are issues we 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 just disagree upon, and uh, so I think I think rather than than me at this particular time just running for for the nomination, I I, I don't want to to get into the of of putting down because uh, I'm not there yet. Step one is for me to to win win the nomination, um, but I just think that the differences between the liberals and and the conservatives uh, are huge, and 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 obviously I side with the issues of of the liberal party, not the conservative party. In a time when we see very deep political divides, I wonder if you could give me one thing you think he has done really well. That Mr. Pacini has done yes. really well, or yeah, Mr. Pacini. I, I think that that Mr. Pacini uh, has has certainly. Um, I think he's he's worked fairly hard. Um, I, I think that I could work a little harder, but I think that he has worked fairly hard. But I think he's 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 really tried to work hard in in, in a lot of the the bigger areas, and uh, I think that I could I could do a little bit better than that but uh i don't know you you know you, you talk about that political divide and 
Um, I know that we're probably similar in age. Uh, um, I can remember, and I grew up in, in Oshawa, of course, but I can remember a, a, a time when if I looked down our small little street that we lived on, uh, we would see an orange sign and we would see a red sign and we would see a blue sign. And yet we were all neighbors. And, and we never, there wasn't that hate uh, for one another just because they had different beliefs. Um, and somehow it, it seems that we've, we've got to this place where that happens. Um, and it's funny because once the election signs came down or even when the election signs were up, we still talked to our neighbors. Um, we still, we, we were still friendly. And, and I don't know exactly all of the reasons that have led us to this point where we have such a divide. And, and I think that the one of the things that, that I would really try to, to address is, is uh, breaking down that, that stigma of, you know, the, the liberals can't have conservative friends because I, I do, I, I have lots of friends that have different political views and, and, and that should be okay. How do you do that though? How do you plan to do that? Well, well, I, th I think it's, it, it has to start with, with not saying terrible things about one another. Um, I really, I really believe that we, we have to get it away from that. And, and I, I think that comes to that whole social change of, um, you know, we've got this society of, of, of hate. And, and I, I think that we just have to, that's something that we have to work on. And uh, we've seen it, it, it grow in a huge, huge way uh, with our friends south of the border. And, and, I think, uh, and I think everyone south of the border recognizes that, but I think those are issues that we can address. And, and again, through education and, and, uh, and, and, and maybe I am, am very naive this early into my political career by, by stating that we, you know, we can't, we can't attack you know, the opposition, but um, that's certainly how I feel. Jeff Kosnick, thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, thank, thank you, Robert. I really appreciate the time you've given up. And uh, um, thank you for doing all the research. Uh, you, you've obviously uh, read up on, on all of the things that I've been putting out. So I, I really appreciate you doing all the homework. Uh, no pun intended there, Robert. <laughs> Um, but it's been nice chatting with you. That was Jeff Kosnick, candidate for the nomination for the Provincial Liberals in Northumberland, Peterborough South. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com 
Or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.